3: Welcome to yet another episode of Deuce Backs, the first of the year 2016. We are here to catch up on how it ended last year and how this year might be beginning with the Australian Open starting soon. With us, we have a regular guest. First, to introduce my co-host, Umara. How are you, Umara? I'm
4: fine, thank you. How are you, Shree?
3: Yep, all good, all excited for the Open to start.
4: Yeah, yeah. We're going to be waking up in the middle of the night, probably, <laughs> at stupid o'clock to watch some matches. So that should be fun.
3: Yeah, it's it's perfect time for me, but mostly I'll be at work. So I'll mm. have to usually catch up on recaps or highlights. No, I, I
4: actually do make the effort to wake up at two in the morning. If Federer is playing on though.
3: <laughs> yeah. Call
4: me crazy, but hey.
3: Special, special privileges to the special guy. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and let's also take time out to welcome Dan now. he's He's been in a great mood from the end of last year and he's been wishing this pod a, at least happened a month ago. We could not, due to multiple reasons. So, Dan, better late than never. Hello.
5: It feels like the Deuce Pod reunion, doesn't it, after all those years? Yeah. <laughs> it's been <Yeah>. that wrong. <laughs> It's hard yeah, to,
3: it, it's been... like
5: I we was just saying to Mara before I started, it's hard to remember some of the tennis. Some of the details of the individual matches now in it after all this time.
3: Yeah, let's let's hope we don't wait so long for the next one.
5: We won after the Aussie Open, definitely. When Murray well, wins yeah. when Murray wins it.
3: <laughs> if Murray wins it we might record it that night then. If if, Federer, oh, you,
5: if, Federer, if if Federer wins it, we'll leave it till August. No, no, that's
4: not okay. fair. Well, Murray's wife might give birth, so he might have to run off. He said he's going to leave if she does. So. Yeah, to well,
5: talk about that, fair play yeah. to him. I wonder. Do, it's a question. Do you think Federer would have ever done that?
4: Well, we don't know. We we can't really ask that question. His babies weren't due in the middle of tournaments. But um, you know, it's interesting. I mean, what if she? What if he was in the final or the semi-final and she gives birth? Would he leave? That's that's interesting.
5: That's what he said. He, Did he? Yeah, oh, okay. he said at any stage he would leave.
4: Really? Okay. Well, that's, she's, that's... she's
5: not due till mid-February. so. Mm.
4: But as we know, babies don't always go to plan. To
5: no, no. I've got one due on the 29th of January, so I feel his pain. If I was playing in the Aussie Open, I'd be coming back as well.
4: Oh, <laughs> all right. That's nice. <laughs> could be, but It could be due on final day then, maybe. Is that right? Cause near the end? Near could the end, t- end of the month?
5: A
3: tennis baby.
4: Tennis baby, good. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, tennis baby. Then will it be named Andy or Novak? No, she won't. No, I don't think. I don't think.
5: <laughs> she, I ser- don't think no, it. she could be coming in and Serena,
4: maybe. <laughs> oh, we wanted Suarez, didn't we, Luis Suarez? But then that that you said that she wouldn't have that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Su- Suarez,
5: Suarezabella Suarez, there <laughs> <Isabella>. Suarez- <laughs> <Isabella was laughs>
4: right. Louisa. I
3: Louisa. Where Yeah. <laughs> So, so since it's been a while since we caught up, so I think we should ideally start with where the year ended. And uh, again, though we did predict Novak to win, but the way he started was slightly jittery. Dan, what would you have to say? Especially losing to Federer in the round robins.
5: Well, I thought Mara uh, might want to open on this one because that was one of Federer's best performances against Novak that I can remember, really. It was superb. I'm not... Sh- you've got to say Novak were pretty good as well so it was you know one of those games where they were both playing well and and Federer came back but you kind of knew you knew Novak would have had something in the tank it had something in the tank something extra something to beat everyone all year Uh, possibly the most extraordinary year in terms of individual success um, even better in his 2011 year. So, yeah. Although he lost in the in the group stage, you just kind of knew he'd pull it out when it hit, when it really mattered. I think Amara's the one to speak to though. She was the one there watching. <laughs> uh, yeah, I,
2: yeah, yeah, I
4: yeah, I didn't. Go on. I didn't see that much. Unfortunately, the finals are just way way too expensive. But um, yeah. I, I mean, obviously, if I could swap a win, I would, would have swapped the round-robin win for the final as well. And everyone was saying at the time that Djokovic is going to pull it out of the bag, and he did. And He just has that knack of going up a couple of levels. He looked a bit off slightly, maybe, when Federer played him, and Federer was playing amazing. But that's just the, the story with Federer, isn't it? He plays really well, and then he just falls short against Djokovic. You know, it's becoming a bit annoying now, to be honest. Um but, yeah, he always seems to fall short in the final against him. I was hoping, you know, because it was London, an indoor tournament, he's always traditionally done really well there. But, yeah, it wasn't meant to be. It was it was disappointing at the end. But, you know, I think Federer still had an amazing year, a couple of Grand Slam finals, only, only stopped by Djokovic, best player in the world by far right now. So, I mean, if you look at his season as a whole, I think he had a really, really good season, despite the disappointments of not being able to you know, close out those really, really big matches. But yeah, it was um it was really good. I went to see uh Fedor and Nishikuri, so that was a really good match. And every time I've seen him he's always managed to it's always been a three-set match, so I feel like I've got my money's worth. You know, I've got to see him for the whole time. It wasn't a quick match or anything where we just come and go. So that was nice. And um, I remember bombarding you guys with photos and annoying you. All. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Has he always won every time you've seen Federer play? Like,
4: no, I've seen him three times. He's won twice, and he lost to Djokovic. I saw them in a round robin a couple of years ago. He lost, but that was a really good match as well, and it went sort of last to the last set. So. You know, and I got to see Djokovic as well, so that was that was a bonus. You know, he's the best player in the world uh, by far right now. So, yeah, I mean, you know, to see him play live was great as well. You, know, you can't have so, it all your way. <laughs>
1: yeah,
3: for me. So I have to ask you this: since we you talked in a bit about how reviewing Federer's season, so do you think this more attacking approach helps in keeping the points short? How how has it helped him? And is it because of that strategy that against Djokovic he seems to struggle because it's not If, let's say, Nadal was in peak form, I would think this game plan might not again work with Nadal. Mm. But we don't know. It's a hypothetical question with Nadal's form. But with how he plays against Djokovic, is it that the game plan is not working? What's your overall take on his attacking approach this season?
4: I think he has the right approach. You know, the attacking approach really has helped him. Uh, You know, people don't seem to really have an answer to it apart from Djokovic. But the thing with Djokovic, he's so athletic and... He's got so much stamina. You just, he, I mean, if you've ever seen the two of them play, Fe, some of Federer's uh, shots that he hits would would be winners against anyone else. But this guy just gets everything back, and he gets them back with win as winners as well. So it's just, it's just. I don't think there's anything that Federer is doing particularly wrong. I think just Djokovic is just miles ahead at the moment, and he gets back shots that just defy belief sometimes you watch and you think wow that would have been a winner and It's nadal murray anyone else and this guy gets it back and gets it back with interest so and there's really nothing he can do about it i mean obviously he's a quite a bit older as well but he's playing the some of the best tennis of his career so i honestly don't think it's him Is down to him I, I just think he has no answers against him there's nothing he can particularly do i mean he's beaten him Obviously, a few times Cincinnati, and he beat him in the round robin. But when Djokovic is on point and his his mind is all there, then I don't think there's a hell of a whole lot anyone can do.
3: Dan, I have a question for you. Similarly, <laughs> I was just thought, so, go on, mate. Yeah, yeah. You want to say something on this? what I was just
5: question? gonna. I was just gonna say that the, the biggest defeat, possibly the only significant um, defeat that Djokovic had last year, was with Richard, the French, and seems like, to me, the way to beat him is absolutely just try and dominate him with with strength and power. Hit a flat ball rather than the spin to give him time to catch it. And it, you've just got to try and overpower him and bully him. And Vavrinka managed to do that. He didn't manage to do it for the whole of the match, but he managed to do it enough of the match to win. And for not Djokovic to win that World Tour Finals, that was the 11th title, the 11th ATP title, and he only won 10 in, in 2011. So it was kind of the, the end point to what, could possibly be his, his most successful ever. I can't see him winning a, a Grand Slam. We'll probably talk about it later, but it's just too hard. Um, go on, mate. Then what's the question?
3: Yeah, actually, you part, partially answered my question. So, the levels of domination he's gone on to in the last couple of seasons at least. So, is there even any approach which might work? Yeah, The, the one I came to talk about was obviously Wawrinka. Cup went all out. So, it's a high-risk game. He he's, He had lots of winners, I think. He had 60 winners in a couple of sets, I think, but he had around 40 unforced errors also. So it's a high risk. If it works, it works. But the point is, it's not a sure shot strategy to go with. Maybe if you are a definite underdog, you are to go with. But I'm not sure if that's a worthwhile strategy to adopt as a game plan.
5: Well, it's not. It's not a consistent. It's never going to consistently beat him, and nor can all the players do it. I'm not. I think when when Murray used to beat him occasionally, I thought I think he out out tacticed him, out fought him, um, out defended. Um Federer's got the the style, the grace and the intelligence and the genius shots. I'm not sure he's got Vivinker's power though now. Um so there aren't many players who could overpower Djokovic and that's you know, Andy Murray was saying um at the start of this season, he, the only way and this is number two in the world, the only way To beat him is to keep watching his matches, keep seeing if there's any weaknesses, keep seeing if there's there's any flaws, because he cannot keep this level up. And then he goes and beats Nadal one and two. So (laughs) he he clearly can, and he might even be getting better. It's ridiculous.
4: Dan, don't you think... Sorry. Go on, go on. Sorry. Don't don't you think a lot of people said that um, Djokovic choked in that French Open final a little bit? So maybe that was a little bit of him beating himself?
5: Yes, but I think to create the context for Djokovic to choke, he has to feel threatened and bullied. Yeah, Yeah, bullied by Varvanku. He wasn't. Mm. He wasn't. He couldn't get to the balls, and and they were too powerful for him sometimes. And when you when when Djokovic is in a situation, and it's very rare that he can't feel he can get it back or reach these winners, then you know it's it made him. You know, kind of choke. Um, which you know, once a season isn't bad.
4: No, of course <laughs> not. It just happened to be at a really yeah, little, well, pivotal the, moment. Because if he had won that, the well, wow. moment, yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Dan, what I was coming to ask is the ability of Djokovic to con- There, are, there are lots of games, lots of important points where he's clearly on the defensive, but his ability to just slug it out and come out. In, I'm just thinking about the absolute peak of Djokovic. Is the absolute peak of Nadal? What you want me to compare them? I, I, I think no. In terms of how would that even pan out? Because both of them are. Ne- it's going to be like the timeless test. <laughs> I, I think. I think Nadal is even more ridiculous in the amount of shots he would recover. Djokovic might overpower him, but Nadal will just not stop at his peak, at least. I think. I think uh,
5: Nadal had at his peak. I think he had the longevity. I think he had the fitness, um, but I'm not sure he had the speed and agility that that Djokovic has got. Not to that extent um, in defence. And I think Djokovic has got the intelligence to read where the opponent is going to put the ball, which gives him that fraction of a second to get there. Um, at, at his peak, I'm not sure Nadal needed that.
3: Um, there is one point we should always remember. The the importance or the differentiator of a left-hander. Well, yeah, exactly, yeah. off-the-hand forehand would just kill anyone. Even with Federer at his peak, that just off-the-hand forehand would just kill anyone.
5: Certainly would. I'm the best best left-handed forehand and the most spin I've ever seen on a tennis ball. So he did have the skills. I'm not sure any of his peak was as good as what Djokovic is showing now. But you've heard me before... Um, eulogising Djokovic so maybe to get a more objective answer you might need to speak to him yeah
3: yeah that's what we'll just move on it's a good segue to move on to the second about the dominant seasons you've seen so Umi do you remember that season of Federer where it's like he it was like literally this unstoppable train and he... yeah
4: yeah I was doing a little bit of research for just obviously for the purposes of this pod and you can compare probably Federer's 2006 and Djokovic's 2015 and maybe even is 2011, depending on how you look at it. But obviously, we're talking about this one. Um, I think both case, both sort of seasons have a really, really strong case. It depends if you're which camp you're in. Obviously, I'm going to favour slightly Federer and um, Dan will probably go for Djokovic. But I think both have really, really good, uh, so like I said, strong have, cases. Do you
3: have any numbers though, me, if you have this uh I <clears throat> <throat> have.
4: <laughs> let me just look yeah so Federer he played more matches they had a 92-5 record and Djokovic had an 82-6 they both won three Grand Slams um I think Federer won let me just have a look sorry 11 uh no Federer won 12 titles and Djokovic won 11 but Djokovic won more Masters so his titles were probably bigger um but then you've got the fact that Federer had three seasons, five, six, and seven, I believe, where he won three Grand Slams and only lost the French to Nadal, who's probably the greatest clay court player ever. So obviously I'm going to look at it from that, from that slant. So that, you know, that that gives more more sort of, um, that makes it even more an achievement because he probably would have beaten anyone else in those finals and we'd be talking, he possibly could have had three or four seasons where he'd done the calendar Grand Slam, if it hadn't have been for Rafa. Um but yeah, I'm sure Dan will make a strong case for um, Djokovic. Dan,
3: three yeah. years of three slams each. Djokovic, can he do it?
5: I think you've got to got to measure the standard of the opposition, the whole draw, when you're measuring how good how good Djokovic's year is because he's got he's got arguably Federer nearly nearly his peak in terms of intelligence, in terms of ability. You know, he seems to just improve. He seems to have moved with the time. Nadal. I don't think he's played. Is Nadal hasn't been at his peak this year, so he can't, like you say about the French Open, which he also lost. That was the, that was the kind of moment that would have made it the most. You know, if beyond all arguments, had he won the French this year, this would have been the best year. Oh yeah. You know his yeah. record. There's only there's only, against Andy Murray, he played him seven times, won six times. Federer was the only person to beat him more than once last season. He beat him three times but knocking Djokovic beating five times and in possibly the important ones. And then his record against the rest of the players was unbelievable. You know, 26-0 and against players ranked 50 or above. Every single player ranked below 50 didn't have his chance against Djokovic all season. That's a huge, you know, dominance level. Not even to drop one one measly match against him. He didn't, he didn't lose any matches against the left-hander. Beat every single left-hander he played all season. That was 18-0 and he was 64 and 6 against right-handers. So it was a huge dominance in terms of in terms of just all the matches. He wasn't losing sets either in, in many of the Grand Slams. You know, he wasn't challenged as much. And it was only in, like you say, when Vavrinka hit his straps, went for the win, took risks against him. That's the only, that's the only way to challenge him in this form. And for him to have a season like this, he needs to he needs to do the Grand Slam because so many players have won three, or oh, Federer and Djokovic are the players that and Nadal, I think, has won three in a year. So, you know,
3: it's huge. But Dan, the only thing is, though he lost to Wawrinka, I think throughout the year, the most wobbly when I saw Djokovic was actually against Kevin Anderson. Uh, was it Wimbledon,
5: right? Yes. Well, yeah, that's that's one game and that's a, that's a fair point. But what is, Anderson's a huge serve, isn't it? Yeah, I, so I, you need, I
3: think you need that power the problem again. is the problem is uh, it's not a flaw, but at least you could say he's, it's not his greatest. And he, I've seen him struggle against Anderson. I've seen him struggle you against Kalavich. He lost to Kalavich. So I think uh, Isner, I've seen him struggle. I've seen him struggle against Martin silich a couple of times. He doesn't
4: lose. I, but he, I was going to say that struggle. I think sorry, Federer's um, 2006. He was he was dominant. Like he was crushing opponents, whereas. Djokovic slightly different maybe not beating people by that much margin but still he obviously still done it and you you know you couldn't people argue that the cal, uh, uh, caliber of the opponent wasn't as good then but then he was winning by some margin for a Federer then so you could you, I don't know if you can compare the two like that I mean he didn't pick his opponents it's not his fault that they weren't that great then but he like I said he was beating them by some some way I didn't think he didn't drop a set in the 2007 australian open so he was pretty much he was and i think he was seven thousand points ahead in the rankings at one point it was something ridiculous like that
5: it's all fair points i think it's <laughs> i can i think the standard's better nowadays I, I, oh yeah yeah and, I agree that, with and, you there. and to do it when when the context is harder for me mm. would would i'd give it a edge, but but It's hard to, it's so hard to measure that, you know, people and it's only, what, nine year difference, nine, ten year difference Mm in, has there been that much of an increase in standard, you know, a peak Nadal was, was amazing as well. Um, you had to, you had to be that. I'm not sure any of the other three or four players that were challenging Novak this year were as good as a peak Nadal. So um, do you,
4: do you think a 2006 Federer v a 2015 Djokovic? What would what would happen?
5: I, I think Djokovic would win in fine Do you think?
1: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, Shree. has
3: got the casting vote. <laughs> who would win I, that match, Sree? I, I would say it depends on the surface too.
4: Mm. Yeah, I think Fed, yeah, Djokovic obviously won on a lot yeah, more varied I, surfaces, yeah. whereas Federer had an issue on clay, even in those great seasons, because of Rafa though. It was the Rafa's thorn in his side?
5: <laughs> Go and who would win that. Who would win it on? Who would win it on the hard court? I think that's where they've both been as dominant. Hard, yeah. hard and grass.
3: I think hard court Djokovic would win grass. Federal yeah. Federer would. win. Uh, what's sitting
4: on the fence. So, so,
3: <laughs> so who would win on clay? I think Djokovic would win on clay.
4: Yeah, for, I think uh, the speed of the court suits his game, doesn't it? Federer plays well on those fast courts.
5: I'm, I'm not as convinced that a peak Federer on clay would lose to a peak Djokovic on clay. I, I think Federer's got a slight edge on
4: clay. Mm. Well, Federer was, was a brilliant clay court player. Like we said, he could have had three, four, five French Open titles if it hadn't have been for, for Rafa. So you've got to think, OK, he he was losing to Rafa, but Rafa was just another level on clay. And if you add if he had won those finals, we would be. There would be no doubt that he was. He's the greatest. Oh, well, to me, there's no doubt anyway. But <laughs> there wouldn't be a doubt at all that he would be. He would have been the greatest because he would have had a, you know, he would have had. To, it would have been on all surfaces. Whereas he just had the one, when Rafa was injured.
3: Yeah, I think that's something to be considered about Federal losing to Rafa, the greatest. While Djokovic losing to Wawrinka.
4: Hmm, I agree. But
3: four <laughs> dice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. So I think we should leave it at that. I think listeners might form their own opinion depending on whom they like or whom they favor or what they remember, depending on how long they've seen the game. So moving on to the next topic, I'm going to come to Dan last because I think though I've called it favorite moments, I think he's going to just talk about favorite moment. So I'm going to keep Dan till the end of that. Uh, Umara, top five moments across tennis, across any anything you have seen in tennis, not restricted to ATP, WTA, junior, doubles, singles. Any five moments in which you can. Re- if I ask you to talk about any five moments, what do does come to your mind?
4: Okay, so not ma- uh, not matches, but moments I've picked. Is that okay? In any.
3: It so could like, be matches or anything. Okay, yeah.
4: Well, um, they're not in any particular order, but I had yeah. picked out the the U.S. Open women's final just because it was just really nice to see the two Italians playing instead of just Serena winning everything. I know Serena, obviously a lot of people were rooting for her to win that um, calendar Grand Slam, but I thought that was a really nice moment. So that's one of my favorite moments. And I had the, obviously I'm going to have a few Federer moments, (laughs) um, but I think Dan will balance that out later, but I've got Federer's match against Murray at Wimbledon. I just thought he was amazing. His serving was brilliant. And I really thought he had a chance in the final, but then it just, it didn't happen. But that match against Murray just was, he blew him away with just immaculate serving. And it was the speed, the placement, everything was there. Um, and like I said, he had me really, really confident for the final, but it just didn't, didn't work out. Djokovic then, as we know, just, um, yeah, goes up another level. Um, I've also got, I've, I had the Stan Wawrinka in the French Open because I don't think anyone was expecting it. I, I remember just watching open mouthed, you know, at the shots he was playing and the speed and that backhand is just awesome when he hits it and in its all in its full flow. It's beautiful. Um, and but his shorts were awful. Yeah, that they, they you should never ever wear those shorts ever again. Um, is that three or four? Three.
3: Um You can go on. We have had only one Federal moment, so you can go on.
4: Oh, can I go on? Okay. Um you know what I've picked as One of my favorite moments, or just it's not a a moment actually, it's just in general, Federer just getting to two Grand Slam finals. I mean, he's 35 now. Uh, Is he 35? Yep, he's 35 now. Four, sorry, he's 34 now. Um, He getting to two finals, and you know, he wasn't easily beaten in those finals. You know, he did give a good, give uh, Djokovic a good match, it wasn't like it was a straight set or anything like that. But just seeing him playing that brilliant tennis and that US Open that he played, even though again he lost in the final, that US Open was some of the best tennis I've ever seen him play. Um so that that as a whole sort of thing for me as a Federal fan is really nice to see him playing so brilliantly at this stage of, of his career and still being in the conversation regardless of people writing him off or saying that, you know, he's too old to do. Um, you know, to win Grand Slams again, he's still he's still there or thereabouts. And like I said, if it hadn't be for, if it hadn't be for Djokovic being so just amazing right now, he would probably be have a couple more this year. So that for me was just a, a highlight, even though it was it sort of had disappointments littered in that in that year. So they're yeah, they're my moments. I don't think they were five, but they're they're my moments. Good, <laughs> <Best enough>.
3: moments. <laughs> uh, so as I said, Dan will go next because I want to give that. Limelight section to
4: him. Oh, so and see, me, seeing seeing Federer alive. Sorry, I had to put that one in there. Just seeing him play was
3: amazing. Great for me. One one of the moments was uh, as you also t- uh, talked about it, Panetta winning the finals and announcing the retirement as when she won the trophy. That was one. Uh, I had for me one of them was trying seeing this guy, one of my favorite players who's been injured for the last few years, Del Potro trying to make a comeback. He he did briefly come in a couple of times. So, for me personally, as a huge Del Potro fan, for me it was great seeing him play. That was one. Uh, Leander Pace partnering his 100th different doubles partner. That was one of the moments. Sanya Mizan, Hingis, Dream run. It's still going on now. They are currently on 29, I think. Continuous wins. Best record in the last 20 years or So, that is one. and. Obviously, cash shots and the win in the final was one of them. And the last moment I had was uh, Serena Williams going back and playing in Indian Wells. So, these are my top moments. So, Dan, it's up to you. You can make it as a favourite moment section or you could do the segue to the next topic.
5: Well, it's, I, I think it's fair. You've just stolen my one there. Uh, my other, my non-playing tennis moment was uh, Serena going back. To Indian Wells, definitely. I think uh, obviously the the Vrinka match against Djokovic highlighted probably uh, the match of the season in terms of unexpected. But my, all my highlights come <laughs> like, from the Davis Cup, um, <laughs> mainly, mainly Andy Murray. Uh, I think I'm going to go through the the, the rounds. Um, beat United States in the in the in the first round indoors. I think I was in Scotland, and the atmosphere was incredible. And Ward beat Isner. And it was actually turned out to be a vital rubber. Possibly, I know we won all these games, but we lost the doubles. Um, so it, it turned out to be a vital, vital point. We needed that. Ticket. Yeah, absolutely needed it. And some of the some of the most limited tennis I've ever seen from John Isner in that match against Ward. I've never seen someone who who had such a powerful weapon in in one element, which was his serve, and then a, a seeming inability. To hit any other tennis shot for about two sets, it couldn't hit a forehand, it couldn't hit a volley. They were they were missing by meters, never mind inches. And it was just strange to see. Anyway, and then we beat France um, at home, and that was the only uh, the only the only match that we had that was on grass. Um, and I think you know it was a little bit lucky that we had three three home ties to get to the final, um, but in the final, away at Belgium. With the security fears and playing on clay, I have to say I was very worried. I didn't know if I was going to get any favourite moments, and it's and it's strange that although I'm going to come on to Andy Murray's performance later, possibly just underneath the winning moment when when Murray did it was Kyle Edmonds' first couple of sets. I can't believe the standard that he was. Just he's such a young lad to come in and play like that. Making his debut in the final, because um, one of the sad things about the Davis Cup has being the dominance of and needing Murray to to put in the most astonishing performance ever in Davis Cup history, which I'll come to. But to have someone develop in the final or appear in the final and then give you a little bit of hope that there's going to be other players there um, to just keep at least keep us <laughs> in the group <laughs> um, in the main draw rather than be. Be um, in all the in, in all the you know the the different zones that you have to do to qualify to even actually play in the proper Davis Cup. But let's come on to Andy Maria. Um not only did he win the sports personality, this was I think by far the best individual performance in any Davis Cup history. He got the most points, um he won more than Novak Djokovic. So eleven Rubbers in a single year he won, if you include the doubles as well. Eight and zero in his singles record. Djokovic only got seven points. Federer got seven points when Switzerland won in 2014. Nadal got six points for Spain in 2011. So in terms of an individual contribution to winning a trophy, I never thought I'd see a Great Britain win. Especially after 20 years of not even knowing the players that we're playing against and going out to um, to to do that, it it's just I think Murray himself agrees that it's possibly his greatest performance um, because it's not just one tournament; it's it's carrying a nation which you never really play for over the Olympics to a to a competition which involves. You know, different countries playing against you, different standards of tennis. It involves doubles, which we've spoken about before, Um, and a huge credit to Jamie Murray as well, and those two in their doubles match, winning that um crucial rubber, and then, you know, embracing at the end. It's fantastic. You know, a family to be able to experience that was, you know, just... That's what I love about tennis, and that's what I love about these two at the moment, and what their mother has done to... uh to make them such into such good players. So credit to
3: to Judy as well. So Ume, did you manage to catch any of the Davis Cup?
4: Yeah, I did watch um um the some of it, some of the final, not all of it, um, but I remember watching the doubles because I think that was just as Dan just said, one of the the decisive one, because I think had they have lost that, they may possibly it was a bit touch and go after that, but once they had won that, is it, am I right, Dan, in, in saying that? Uh, and they had to win. Yeah, they'd they, they, they
5: they have possibly lost the final rubber. Right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Could
4: have done. Cause obviously you've got Andy Murray to win his, but then the other one might not have worked out. But yeah, so that, I remember watching that and yeah, that they played really, really well in that. But yeah, it's, um, it's brilliant for for English, British tennis, I guess. And like Dan said, it's not you know the the whole year round players, are just, although they represent their countries, but really they're not really playing for their country. It's quite an individual sort kind of sport. Um, so it's nice to to give the country and the nation and the atmosphere in the Davis Cup is so amazing. There's nothing nothing like it in in world tennis it's one of those one, it's almost like a football match you know people singing and chanting and you don't have that in tennis matches the crowd's quite reserved still especially over here in, in England but that's really nice to see and um yeah like I said you don't get that anywhere else and it really just adds to to the sort of the charm of the event so yeah I, I, it was a brilliant brilliant performance from Great Britain Andy Murray well I think we're all that- safe in saying if Andy Murray wasn't there <laughs> England wouldn't have had a chance but so Dan, not keep yeah.
5: saying England, Amaru. Sorry, Britain.
4: <laughs> just comes out.
5: Andy Murray will be
3: touching massively for sorry, his. Sorry, sorry,
4: oh yeah, because he's not even English. Oh god, <laughs> <laughs> Britain, Britain.
3: So Dan, uh, Andy Murray winning Wimbledon was huge for British tennis. So what does this do for British tennis?
5: hopefully, it does more. Like you say, like Mara's just outlined, then it's it's an individual thing, and a lot of. Andy Murray gets a fair bit of stick still, in, uh especially in England, especially with a lot of the London press. There's still a still a, a little bit of snide about some of the coverage that he gets when he's playing on his own, especially when he loses. Um, so to to have it within the, a, a, a team event, and you can see how how much of a team that they are, and you can see how, like you say, when it's it's. It's probably when you get the most representative crowd of the British public, um, when, when you see a Davis Cup tie and the Scottish atmosphere and the American one was superb. Just out ah, of this world noise wise. So it's that kind of thing. And that, that's what's going to develop tennis. That's what's going to get the, the kind of volume of youngsters that you need to, to be challenging for Davis Cups consistently to be producing any more Andy Murray's. So it can only be a good thing. And, and I'm not sure he will and I'm not sure you could, should expect him to but if Andy Murray continues to play in it and continue, maybe not this season but but plays in it for maybe another couple of goals then that could do even more, especially if he takes it as seriously as he has this season because if he can't beat Djokovic, he may as well try and win something <laughs>
3: <laughs> So Andy Murray is going to play in Rio?
5: Yeah, as far as I'm aware his, his priorities this season are, are Rio and uh, Wimbledon. Everybody is talking Wimbledon. about Rio this season. Yeah, yeah. That Def- might be something it, worth defending, defending his title. I think that might be something worthwhile
3: watching this time. Do we know what I, what, what, what kind of court we're going to have in Rio? No idea. I have no I idea. I think generally the, it might be a hard court or an indoor court is what I think, but I'm not sure. No, no, mate. I'll have to find that out for the next pod. <laughs>
4: Does it depend on the on the country that this host is? it up to them or is there any specific thing they have no, to follow? It's, or?
5: No, no, it's, it's up to Brazil because obviously we played on grass,
4: mm.
5: we played at Wimbledon, so it's, it's just down to the, I think in Barcelona they played on uh, clay obviously. Yeah,
4: I was thinking, I thought in Brazil they might play on clay but we don't know yet.
3: So. Yeah, the only thing immediately once I think of a Brazil is Gustavo Curtin, so I think it's immediately clay. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and Rios seen. as well, wasn't it Rios, is that his name? Rios oh, well, was
5: Chile. Oh, right? was he? Was,
4: it? was it. oh, If it's clay, then <laughs> Fedra's not winning his gold medal.
5: <laughs> Nadal could
3: Nadal get a gold medal? That'd be yeah, that would be, so be interesting. I think, I think I think Federer might not win a gold, but I think Switzerland might get a gold.
5: Yeah, will, will those two play together, think and I think, uh, in, uh, I think
4: yeah. they
3: might. Why not?
4: They should do. Yeah, I mean they've they've won it once before together. So, but
3: oh, uh, Jamie and Andy playing together. I don't know. It's not been
5: announced. That would be good. That's a fast shout for a medal they're there. They lost in the
3: um, lost at Wimbledon, didn't they? Yeah, that, that's a definite real chance but, though, yeah, especially yeah. since they have shown they could play on clay. And if it's clay, it's it's a definite possibility for them to go for one. So anyway, let's coming to the topic at hand: Australian Open, first Grand Slam of the year. Uh, traditional season openers, or you had tournaments at Brisbane, Sydney. So, anyone of you have followed any of the tournaments, pre-season tournaments before we head to Austin Open?
4: I watched the Brisbane final. Obviously, Federer was in that, but he lost, <laughs> so that wasn't that great. But I didn't. I didn't follow the whole tournament. They weren't showing a lot of them on TV either. So just highlights here and there. So. It's good preparation. I mean, it's only it's a really quick one tournament, and then obviously the Australian Open starts, so they don't have much time to sort of get many matches under their belt. But still, getting to a finals, good preparation, and we'll see what he does in Australia.
3: So, in so Melbourne. He, played at, he played at Brisbane, I believe. Nowak and Rafa played at Doha, right?
4: I think so, yeah.
3: Yes, I think Nowak won a draw. Uh, where was Andy Murray playing? Hoffman Cup or anything else? It, Dan?
5: Uh, I'm not sure. I've been <laughs> struggling to follow the tennis with all the football on <laughs> three and it's and quicker yeah. season as well. Um, but I know that, um, yeah, so I mentioned it earlier, Djokovic. Um, in, I, I was listening to a tennis podcast the other day. I'm not going to give them any plug. <laughs> but I was listening to one. And the um, and they, they, they said that it was the most one-sided final between, you know, Perceived top four top five players that they'd ever seen um there was a bit of niggle from the crowd who were who were trying to coach Nadal It was that embarrassing, so uh, that doesn't board well um for everybody else um I'm not particularly convinced that Murray's mind is on the australian open um I know he's brought he has got rid of was it Bjorkman, and, and um um returned forgotten him and name's gone remind me. French, <laughs> I can't believe. Muresmo, has brought Muresmo back in his as, as coach. Um, so we'll we'll see. I'm not. i I think it's going to be a Djokovic all the way. And unfortunately, I, I'm and am and, and
3: Serena, <laughs> I'm Serena. We had Warenka oh, okay. here in my city, so uh, at least he considers this as a lucky charm. He just keeps coming here. He sees he sees this weather as a good preparation and keeps winning. So, it it was literally for each year, this tournament is going bigger. We had Kevin Anderson this year. So, Kevin Anderson was here, but the, the, I, I I saw the tournament. I didn't go to the stadium, but I was... I saw every match and I think he didn't even get out of third gear at least. Finals, he was... We had this young light called Korich who was playing. He he seems to be a really good guy though. That, that young guy seems to be playing well, but... Uh, Warrenka never got out of third gear and was a comfortable. I think now he's won three times now on the trot here. So it, he considered this as a lucky charm for his season. The two years before he won the Australian Open, then he last year he won the French Open, so he's hoping for something similar. So it's a, it's a comfortable player. I'm not sure whether he was pushed, but maybe as a first season opener, you don't need to get pushed. So is Australian Open a foregone conclusion for you, as Dan said, Umi?
4: Um, have you guys seen the draw? Because the draw's out.
5: I've seen not the draw. It. Well, Murray's yeah. got
3: um,
5: Zarev, the German. That yeah. German.
4: But Federer senior, and Djokovic yeah. are in the same half and Murray and Rafa and Vavrinka are in the same half. So, Woo! <laughs> Federer, Federer. Semi-final for Federer. <laughs> I don't know. We, we don't know because obviously he might not even get that far. But um, yeah, that was annoying to is, see. Is, is, is Federer seeded <laughs> third? Yes, yes. Because Murray nicked the second seeding from him at the end of the year, didn't he?
5: He did. He did. He did. Was it the Davis
4: Cup that did it? Because they get points for that,
5: don't they? After that, I'm not sure about that.
4: Okay. All right. Well, he's um, yeah. So they've avoided each other. Oh, they've obviously avoided each other, uh, Murray and Djokovic. But Federer's in. Yeah, he's in. Um, I think it was a quirk.
5: Djokovic. I think it was a quirk of the rankings that um, Murray didn't have to defend as many points or something towards the end because he was injured the year before, mm. and Federer did something like that.
4: But still, even so, I mean, he's got Vavrinka and Nadal. That's not easy.
3: So, Ume, I, I have a question for you. God, what? Uh, so is, it, <laughs> is it better that he's actually facing or possibly could face Djokovic in the semi final rather than final, considering last year?
4: Um, I suppose it's less painful to lose in the semi final, isn't it, than the final? Or you'll watch know, one Depending match. on how you look at it, I
3: suppose. Or you'll watch one game less.
4: I don't want to watch one game less. I want to watch all seven. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It depends on how you look at it. Like I said, if he is going to lose, losing finals is tougher, isn't it? But then getting to finals is good as well. So I don't know really how to to look at that one. Hopefully he'll beat him this time. (laughs) Hopefully Djokovic was maybe just, you know, thinking about something else (laughs) that day. I don't know how he's going to do it, but yeah he has to but, get there first he hasn't got uh, he's got dimitrov possibly in the fourth round if he gets that far so that's not going to be easy they had an epic match at the at brisbane recently quite a, a, a long three set match um and after that his draw's not too bad until obviously he, the quarterfinals he might have Burditch. but to be honest the draw's not that bad for for federal uh, up until the semi finals
3: so Dan, how is it for Djokovic? Pretty smooth sailing. Got
5: him. It's, I think there's not there's not that many. Sepe could be a possible opponent. This Karlovic is in his half. Who beat him? Obviously, we've been talking about um, him losing to big servers. It just doesn't happen in a slam, though, does it? Song is in that in that half of the draw. It's not going to happen. I just wanted to mention um, Serena's got a pretty tough opener. The highest unseeded. Um, player in Camilla Giorgia, the Italian, and uh, the Brits is Conte has got Venus Williams. <laughs> yeah, we saw that this <laughs> morning. But, Watt- she's,
4: but she's been playing well, so she, you she never has, know. Definitely.
5: Heather Watson has got Timir Babos, Hungarian, uh, and Kyle Edmund's got Demir Zumba, the Bosnian player. I'm not, I've not, I've not really seen him play, so yeah, they, they could be. Maybe three Brits through to the next, the first round, the second round of the Aussie Open. That's that's not going to happen very often.
3: I think Azarenka, as usual, won the pre-season opener before Austin Open, and that's a good omen for her. Usually, I'm not sure what seeding she's got, Azarenka, but she's one of my favorite players Mm. to watch. I'll be watching for her.
4: She won a tournament, didn't she? Sydney was it? Yeah, Sydney. Yeah, she should I saw some of the final yeah so hopefully when she's back to her best I think she's the only really person who can challenge Serena. I don't see Sharapova even challenging Serena I don't think she can. the other girls Halep and Muguruza, I think is his third seed Muguruza possibly has beaten her recently I, uh, yes Azarenka on her in her pomp like was the only one who really pushed Serena I mean she she met her in the, the US Open final a couple of years ago and nearly you know gave I, her a good match.
3: I think at absolute best with the game plan, the people for, I think the only two people I can say pre-match that Serena can be beaten is one is Azarenka or on a real best Petr Kovatoa. Oh God, don't talk to me about her.
4: <laughs> <laughs> We know she can probably yeah. beat Djokovic no on her day. <laughs> Honestly, she's that good on her day, but she just can't seem to string yeah. two performances together. She's Actually, right
3: about, talking about Djokovic. Her game plan is so risky. She exactly. thinks if, if it works, the work can be jocular. <laughs> Dan may not did. like that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to look
5: through what 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 half of or oh, quarter of the draw is Azarenka in? Is she in Is she in Serena's? There she is.
4: Wait, what half is she in? She, bottom half.
5: She's in the um, bottom half of the draw. That's good. Yes, yeah, sir. So, yeah, Azarenka Williams final then Serena. <laughs> <laughs> Off that tip, if you reckon is playing well,
3: I haven't seen they have to be honest. See, it was, I would say, 80% close to her best. But but the women's side is so tough to predict, except Serena, if you take out Serena, you can't even say who would be the semi-finalist, let alone the no. finalist. So, yeah, I totally agree.
4: <clears throat> and Serena, is she a fit? Because she did pull out of a tournament before, didn't she? I thought she was... She's not 100% maybe, so you never know. And then, like you said, then you just anyone's game. You know, some unseeded player could probably come and win it. <laughs> we just don't know for the women's. Have you
3: got anything on the doubles, and Any for Nope. Uh, I'm sure... See, if you ask me about women's doubles, I can say openly what might happen. Because <laughs> that form they are in, they're like... Even done, 29 matches unbeaten i think last was in 94 or 95 with novotna wow she, she unreal they they just little the gay, they complement each other so well that i don't know even if they are at 80% level they'll win the grand slam i'm sure sanya and hingis hing, hing hingis complements sanya's game so well and sanya's forehand and like let's oh, not its the effect of that forehand in women's game is like unreal from day one, that was a strong point. But in doubles, it just kills opponents when you pair it up with this So women's doubles, there's no no doubt for me. They should be winning at bo- men's doubles. It's again becoming like poker. <laughs> it's it's tough to call. I have no idea what's going to happen at men's doubles. Each everybody's changing partners. I think Leander is again changing partners. Leander actually wanted to pair up with Bopana considering Rio, uh, Rio Olympics. This I think is what 92, 96, 2000, 2004, 8, 12. This might be seventh Olympics. Wow! How Pretty many? Ridiculous. How
5: many?
3: How many individual partners <laughs> they have now? More than a hundred? Yeah, hundred was breach. I think Granola's was his hundred first year this year. So I think he's on <laughs> one or one or one two. Wow. So, he wanted to pair up with Bopana this year, considering Olympics. But uh, Bopana wasn't interested and they have previous history, considering the fiasco which happened in 2012. So, there's a huge history behind so What, what, what sure. fiasco was this? Uh, in 2012 Olympics, there was a huge debate as to who should partner uh, Sanya and who should partner each other in doubles because Mahesh and Leander weren't on good terms. So, ultimately, there was a huge bartering going on. And ultimately, they said, Leander will partner Sanya in mixed doubles. So, he, since he gets his preference in mixed doubles, he was paired with this young guy called, I think, Vishnu was in men's doubles rather than Bopanna. While Bhupati went with Bopanna. So, it was not about the best combination in both. It was about a compromise being arranged. Oh, wow, okay. Because nobody wanted to play with Leander.
4: <laughs> Nobody likes Leander Billy no mates <laughs> Why, why so, didn't they like him then?
3: No idea He was no. closer to Mahesh Bupati So Rohan Bupana wanted to play with Bupati mm-hmm. While Leander was like Leander's point was He's the best ranked doubles player So he should get a choice Of whom he should partner with That's
4: all politics that makes It makes
3: more sense to me though Surely you pick your best doubles player And let him pick his partner So that they they can work together Mm, he was the highest-ranked doubles player then, in 2012. But he got his preference uh, in mixed doubles, Sanya. But Sanya wasn't that good in mixed doubles then, 2012. Though she, she had an Asian Games medal, but uh, Olympics was a different, bigger fish to fly. Will you so get, we lost her.
5: Will you be able to watch much? Uh, do you get any much access to the doubles in the Aussie, Aussie Open?
3: Or many of the Grand Slams? we do get especially if Sanya plays we do get live we do get live access when Sanya plays but otherwise initial rounds we don't get into them. well it's just because the only time
5: I ever get to watch doubles really is the is Wimbledon and when they give you the options on the BBC they give you the different cards so you can pick and choose
0: yeah
3: but semi-final and final especially if either Leander is there or Sanya is there we get live telecast so we ensure we get that here so otherwise, we don't get to see anything of the double still quarterfinals, at least in Grand Slams, and in other normal Masters, we don't see it at all, literally. It's only yeah, if you are like you need to follow it online.
5: Yes, yeah, same, same here.
3: So, so considering Australian Open, so you are going with Djokovic and Serena, and then?
5: I'm gonna go with uh, Djokovic and Azarenka <laughs> because of your your tip that she's been playing well. <laughs> <laughs> just so I can I'm chase somebody else on. So I can chase somebody else the on first. Round <laughs> but I, I would I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Serena won the Grand Slam. So that's how dominant she was last year. She just so, she just bottled it in the US Open. Umi, do you
3: yeah. remember this foolhardy thing we did of picking wild
4: cards? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I learned my lesson. <laughs> um I'm going I'm going to go Djokovic and I don't even know for the women's. It has to be Serena. But if Serena doesn't, then I have absolutely no idea. But I was just checking the draw and, yeah, she has got a quite a tough draw. But Sharapova's in her side of the draw. So Sharapova's probably not very happy. She never wins against
3: Who, her. Who's number two then? Radvanska is number two, huh?
4: Who's uh, got the second not, Um...
3: She won the season. Hallep
4: or Muguruza, one of those. seeds. Halep. Halep, number two. And yeah. then it's Muguruza's number three, and this is yeah. bad. Okay, so, 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 so
5: my outside tip is going to be the number two seed, Hallep. <laughs> <laughs>
3: But,
4: yeah. Awesome. And, and yeah, he's, he's outside yeah is outside in the women's turn,
3: <laughs> in the women's game so Dan do you even have an outside tip or are you going to say Federal is the outside tip no
5: Andy Murray the number two seed is the outside <laughs>
3: tip as, as long as his wife
5: doesn't give birth
4: that's how dominant the one number one players are that the number two is an outside tip yeah <laughs> silly <laughs> really isn't it Well,
5: no, I think to be brutally honest you could put 16, maybe names into a hat from the women's side, and if mm. and if Serena doesn't win it, any of those could. There's exactly. that many, which is a good thing. It's just that we need Serena to retire, so it makes it completely, <laughs> you know, really competitive. The betting will go for a toss. <laughs> I wonder what the betting is. I don't even have Seen the odds? I bet. I bet
3: they're both massive odds
5: on. Absolutely.
3: I think. I think. If Serena doesn't win, then I think my two tips are going
4: to be Azarenka or Radvanska. Radvanska Both because Azarenka. oh, she won the year end, didn't she? Season yeah. ender. Yeah, the year end in Singapore. Forgot about that. And She played really well. I was quite, I was quite surprised. I didn't think she was going to win that one. And it's skipped. It's absolutely slipped my mind who she played now. And she played someone who's a big hitter. Who did she play?
3: Kovitova. So, I think. Kvitova.
4: Yeah, because Kavita so. beat. Um, that's why I remember. So Kavi- cool. Kavita beat um, Sharapova really, really well in the semis, and she played really, really good. And then she played well for about a set and a half in this one, and, yeah, then, and Rad- then completely lost it, like she she Rad- does. Rad-
5: and Rad- just, it, it, like, it. like she does, yeah. Like she does, <laughs>
4: yeah, and. I don't even know. I was quite con- confident with her because she's really good indoors, and you know, there's no, and there's no sort of wind or anything. And the way she hits the ball, um, so it suits her game to play indoors. But Redwanska really, really played well that day, actually. Yeah, remember that? As we said, because we've had such a long gap, I'd completely forgotten.
3: I, th- I think we, none of us have talked. I think this might be actually be the for Kavitoa then. <laughs> <None> <laughs> so it would be take a brave man to predict this thing, remote thing. <laughs>
4: She could go out in the first round just as easily as she could win it. You just don't know with her. But I don't think, I think the heat of the Australian Open is not good because we know she's, she's not well and she doesn't cope well with, um you know, she doesn't have the stamina. So I don't think she's going to do well heard, at all.
3: I heard suddenly, at least from one of my cousins who lives there, that suddenly Melbourne got cold for a day or two. Mm. So I... I don't know. It was very hot one day, then it immediately became very cold, it seems like. I'm not sure.
4: Yeah, so if the conditions are humid and hot, I don't think they're going to suit her at all. So I wouldn't be tipping her for she, anything.
3: She might just blast her way to glory or exit.
4: Exactly. That's what I'm saying. She could win it <laughs> or not. Or she could lose I, the first I think, round. I think,
3: I think mentally she might say one hour, whatever happens.
4: Hmm. Have, have well,
3: he, either of you got predictions on uh, how much controversy
5: Kyrgios is going to cause in his home oh is in, in his home Grand Slam?
4: Well, we we can we can predict there will be some.
3: What it will be, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think it might be one of the Australians causing problems. I'm not sure whether it is going to be him. It might be Tomich to do something because he's yeah, Tomich is another one as well. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, you could predict one of the Australians to do something crazy, but I don't want to bet on him alone. So, that would be a good bet. One of the Australians to screw up something. <laughs> By the way, did, did one, any of you see that uh, thing, this game where he- Hewitt played and this video floating around about this guy shouting out, saying, challenge the sir? Did you guys see? I
5: didn't know. No, I didn't either. Explain
3: that one. That that was this great. You should check it out on video. Some sportsmanship. I forgot the guy's name. So Hewitt serves, and then it's called out, and this guy shouts from the other side saying, "It's in challenge." And Hewitt is bewildered. He's like, "What?" He's like, "No, no, no. I'm sure. Challenge it. Challenge it." So Hewitt doesn't believe it, and then he challenges after a while, and it wasn't. It was really good video to watch. What what tournament was this? I'm not sure about the tournament. It's floating out now. So I, if it's reason it has got to be the Hopman Cup. Though I'm not sure whether Hewitt played in the Hopman Cup. So I'm Oh, not it says sure.
4: he, it was Jack Sock, um, and huh, it was yeah, the hop, guy, hop, that, that, Hopman Cup. Um, exactly, that is the video. So he was a sporting gesture, apparently. The American invited Hewitt to challenge a call, getting it reversed in his opponent's favour. Oh, okay, so it was the guy he was playing against.
3: Yeah, yeah, it was. So, oh. Hewitt serves, and it was called as a fault, and this guy shouts saying challenge, it!" it's in. And yeah, he, and he said <laughs> it. And
2: okay.
3: Hewitt is like, what? And then he stops for 10-15 seconds. This guy again says, go ahead, challenge it. <laughs> so, Hewitt, Hewitt cool. doesn't know what to do, and he challenges it. And it was very clearly in. Oh,
4: wow. Yeah, I've just got it up actually. So, yeah, I just saw having a look. But, yeah, that's interesting. I've, uh, so, Hopman Cup, that's obviously not a. <laughs> is it an important tournament? Can you see him doing that in a Grand Slam?
3: Don't think so. <laughs> but, uh, how many people even do it at Hopman Cup? <laughs> exactly. <but still> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Interesting. There's, There's no, no you.
5: way you'd do that in a, in a Grand mm-hmm.
4: Slam, would you? No, of course you wouldn't.
5: You take them because sometimes you do it in its opposite way around.
4: They do it as sort of at the clay tournaments, don't they? Where they just rub it out when you know that the, the umpire is going to come and check anyway. But you wouldn't just do it when no one's checking or when no one's really going to challenge it. You wouldn't say it then, really, would you?
3: Okay. I think pleasure, you should check that
5: out. I'm going to, yeah, well. I think you should tweet it as well underneath the podcast link when it's released.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's been floating around for the last two or three days about this incident. You, you, the best thing to watch is Hewitt's face in there. <laughs> <laughs> like Hewitt
5: still competitive, is it? I thought he'd retire to be a Davis
3: Cup captain. I think Hoffman Cup he played. Is it? But, uh, he's, he's, he's going to be non-playing captain, is
5: he? It? It like an exhibition? Didn't, didn't Watson and Murray play together or something? I can't remember.
4: I mean, yeah, I, mean, I, so. I, yeah, I they did. Yeah, I saw that. I saw but them coming out for you, a
3: match. If he, if he played in the Hoffman Cup. Because I remember uh, Andy Murray playing in the Hoffman Cup.
4: Yeah, he did with Heather Watson. I remember that. I have no idea if they won, though. No,
3: no I don't <laughs> think they did. Right, OK. I don't, neither do I think... They were trailing when I was watching. I was fleetingly catching multiple games. So, I think... As Dan initially said with the amount of football if I ask for TV for any other sport I'll get slaughtered. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I haven't got time for any other sport really. But mm. cricket on the radio sometimes.
5: So too Dan, ra- do, too do many th- games of festive fixtures. Mm.
4: Dan, do you think um, Conta might go on a run like she did at the US Open? If she gets past Venus of course.
5: Yeah, that's, that's the stumbling block there. Um mm. No. I don't, no? I don't think she'll beat Venus, but if she does, then yes. <laughs> 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 Just because it's that unpredictable, and uh, I think she struggles against really powerful players.
4: Mm, okay, it's interesting, because she went, had a good good one at the US Open, didn't she? Fourth she, round, well, I think, yeah.
5: She had a good one towards the end of last season, didn't she? she like, yeah, was it ma- 16 19, matches or something? Yeah, yeah 16, 16 for one or 16 for two after the US Open. She won two tournaments leading up.
4: Mm, hopefully she'll take that confidence through. We'll see.
5: Definitely. I think she will. She was talking about the fact that it wasn't anything to do with a change of technique or training. It was all about a psychologist that she employed.
4: Yeah, so, yeah, I remember um, listening so, to an interview, yeah. yeah.
3: So it's all character. in the mind. Yeah, that's what she thinks, and it seems to be working. Mm. So two weeks down the line, are we going to be talking about Djokovic winning most probably?
5: Yeah, I think we <laughs> will, judging by his performance against Nadal.
3: I saw I saw the highlights of that. My God, I think the live itself would have been like highlights only. Yeah, exactly. That's that's
5: what the uh, other. Nadal didn't like.
3: mean Nadal didn't stand a chance. He won literally nothing. He got a point here, point there. That's about it. He literally won nothing. But <laughs> I think I
4: think
3: I think his level again dropped because he was clearly coming up, but this was like really alarmingly bad.
4: They were showing sort of Australian Open classic finals and yesterday they showed that six-hour marathon that they had a couple of years ago. Was it Rafa and Djokovic? Was it Rafa, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Um, one of the
5: yeah, best ever.
4: It was, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I, but
5: yeah. I, said, yeah, I said that was one of my best ever matches. Mm, it yeah, was. Just... In the first podcast we ever did. Remember that? In 2007.
3: Yeah. <laughs> 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 or however long ago it felt. <laughs> Back- yeah, I don't remember... I remember that first episode in 2007 where I predicted that next year Federer and Nadal would have that epic 2008 <laughs> oh. <laughs> That was a good one, actually. There's <laughs> this
5: coming Scottish lad as
3: well called Andy Murray that we need <laughs> to keep an eye on. I think even Nostradamus wouldn't have predicted that, though, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> no, not without a record reason, <laughs> Good, good. So, we should, we are done. We should be back in the next two weeks to review the Australian Open. Till then, keep listening. Thank you.